Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Daily Dive Weekend Edition. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and every week I explore the top stories making waves in the news and some that are just plain interesting. I'll connect you with the journalists and the people who know the story and bring you news without the noise so you can make an informed decision. You can catch a new episode of the Daily Dive every Monday through Friday, and it's ready when you wake up. On the Weekend Edition, I'll be bringing you some of the best stories from the week. This week, the Biden administration struck a deal with Russia to free WNBA star Brittany Griner. In exchange for her freedom, the U.S. released arms dealer Victor Bout, who is known as the Merchant of Death. This caps a 10-month ordeal for Griner after she was arrested for possession of hash oil cartridges in Russia. For more on what to know about Griner's release and what happens to Paul Whelan, another American in Russian custody for espionage charges, we'll speak to Alex Ward national security reporter at Politico. So as you rightly noted, this has been really going on, uh, these negotiations, since Kreiner was detained in February for having you know, hash oil in her bag at a Moscow airport. And what they've been really trying to do, they being the Biden administration, was trade effectively two Americans, Greiner and Paul Whelan, a former Marine who has been detained in Russia for four years, unproven charges of espionage, in exchange for Victor Bout, who, as you said, was a merchant of death, and he has been charged in the U.S. with trying to kill Americans, as well as aiding the Taliban in Afghanistan, recruiting child soldiers, mutilation, etc. I mean, not a, not a great guy. But the Russians pushed back on this two-for-one deal, saying it really needed to be Griner for boot. The decision basically came to Biden the last couple of weeks, saying, look, the Russian, this is where the Russians are. They will not budge from this. It's basically either Griner comes home or no one comes home. And Biden decided to make the decision to do the one-for-one deal, grant clemency to Boot, who was going to be in prison until uh, 2029, and make this deal in the UAE, where they were exchanged at a, in Abu Dhabi. So that's sort of what happened here, and that's why Brittany Griner's, as we speak at this moment, flying back to the United States. And there's already been some video that surfaced showing that prisoner exchange, you know, Bouton and Griner kind of walking past each other as they go to their respective sides. All very interesting and, you know, the stuff of movies even. And the difficult decision that went into this, right? What are people saying, you know, is this a lopsided deal? Because as you mentioned, you you detailed Bout and all the stuff that he was done known as the merchant of death. You know, uh, Brittany Griner, obviously uh, a basketball star, but we had this whole thing that happened with uh, Russia and Ukraine. There was, uh, you know, saying that she was a political pawn. Uh, you know, what are people saying about the deal that was made? 
Well, I mean, there is a bit of concern because, look, I mean, there, there are many people who are saying it is a basketball star in exchange for an extremely prominent and likely dangerous man. They are not equivalent, right? And so because of that, there is concern that maybe the U.S. gave up too much in exchange for Griner, as just as her cause may be. And of course, it is not only the Biden administration, but any administration's policy to work as diligently and as hard as possible to bring any American wrongfully detained abroad home. And so you have to imagine the Biden administration had a tough decision to make to try to call Russia's bluff. Is it possible, you know, that if we decide to keep Brittany in Russia, could we get Griner and Whelan for boot down the line. The administration decided not to take that risk. They decided to do the deal on the table, which was one for one. But now you see the administration not really speaking to legitimate questions about what are the security concerns now that boot is freed. All you really heard Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, say is Biden considered the security risks and did not take the decision lightly, indicating that there are some security risks now that boot is free. But we're just not clear what those may be. Right. And things had escalated on Brittany Griner's side of things. She had been sentenced to this penal colony for nine years. We were hearing kind of the descriptions of daily life there and, you know, how hard it was going to be for her. And uh, she had just gotten shipped out there. So, uh, I mean, you know, they had said all all along they wanted to at least get a deal done by Christmas, but that kind of escalated things. So uh, obviously to the point of the whole conversation, right, they had to weigh all the options and figured, you know, we have to get her out. Um, As far as uh, Paul Whelan, what we're hearing, you know, his family did speak out. They said it sucks that he couldn't come home too, but it still was the right decision. Yes, but you also have heard from Paul Whelan himself say, you know, why am I still sitting here? So he is angry. And I talked to Elizabeth uh, Whelan, his sister, who said, look, he's just trying to be remembered. You know, who wouldn't be upset? And we have to remember that in April, the U.S. was able to release Trevor Reed, another former Marine, but did not bring Paul Whelan home. So that's now twice this year that another American hostage in Russia has come home, but Paul Whelan has stayed in prison. And so he's, he's naturally asking, you know, why not me? You know, yeah, why am I still here? And so, yes, you know, when you talk to the Whelan family, they will say, of course, you know, are we happy about Brittany being returned? Of course, every, you know, every American should be returned home. But they are understandably upset. And as is Paul understandably upset um, that Paul Whelan still remains in a Russian prison cell. The situations were obviously different. Brittany Griner had drugs on her, She the, these uh, hash oil cartridges. Paul Whelan's in there for espionage. That's what they they got him on. And obviously he, you know, he's saying, hey, I was, this is completely untrue, all that. So obviously the situations are different. Do we have any indication of what Russia wants for Paul Whelan now? Well, we've heard that they would like a Russian who is currently detained in Germany, who is there charged with killing a a Georgian citizen in 2019. There's also been talk that the Russians would like the U.S. to hand over a a Russian spy to them, but the U.S. says that he does not detain one. Uh, There is not one to give. So, you know, it's unclear if maybe the U.S. was talking to Germany and the Germans didn't want to give up that Russian or... The U.S. isn't being forthright or there really isn't someone to trade. But this is sort of complicating the issue, right? Because there were a lot of people that were saying the price should be very high for Boone. It should be Griner and Wheeler. The fact that Griner is no longer on the table, that she's gratefully and, and rightfully coming home. You know, that that makes it harder, very likely, to bring Paul Whelan home. It's unclear what else the U.S. could give at this point. Uh, there may be some other deal they're working on. I mean, Paul Whelan's lawyer in, in Russia seems pretty optimistic that there might be a deal down the line. Uh, Elizabeth Whelan, again, Paul's sister, told me that the way that the Russians were providing Paul a phone to call his family in the morning, which is a rare time, the access to U.S. officials, 
gave her the sense that maybe the Russians are trying to loosen up a little bit on Paul. But that, of course, remains to be seen. It is completely unclear. They could just be more open now because, of course, there, there was a big deal just made. Well, Brittany Griner coming home. Hopefully a deal can be made for Paul Whelan. We'll keep an eye out for all of that. Alex Ward, national security reporter at Politico. Thank you very much for joining us. Absolutely. This week, we also kicked off the chip manufacturing boom in the U.S. President Biden toured a Taiwan semiconductor manufacturing company plant in Arizona that is tripling its investments to build new semiconductor chips. As the relationship between China, Taiwan, and the U.S. continues to be strained, we're rushing to build our own local supply. For more on how the U.S. semiconductor industry is just getting started, we'll speak to Matt Phillips, Markets correspondent at Axios. There's kind of two separate things that we're seeing. We all remember the shortages of chips that we saw after the COVID reopening began and it became so expensive to try to find cars and spiraled into a whole bunch of other products. So that's one thing that's a bit more of an inconvenience Mm -hmm. type issue. What's going on in Arizona is really interesting because that's a bit more strategic. It's a bit less about having an easy, steady supply of relatively low value chips to put in things like cars. It's more about the really high end cutting edge chips that we rely on for technologies that are really important for cell phones, but also for national security applications. So what's happening now is a bit more concern, less about sort of access to any chips and more concern about specifically relying on a small country like Taiwan that is increasingly imperiled by China. Like, that's kind of what's going on with this one. Yeah, and tell us a little bit more about that front right now, because we do get a lot of chips from Taiwan, but we're seeing the tensions that are happening between China and Taiwan even, and, uh, you know, we don't want to get kind of lost in the shuffle there. That's right. You know, we're living in an interesting time where really since the end of the Cold War, the assumptions that global business leaders operated with were that, goods, people, capital could all largely flow across borders relatively easily. War was kind of a thing of the past of the 20th century, and we could basically all put that behind us and focus on building these really sprawling networks of supply chains all around the world that could deliver really, really high-end products at a really low price. That kind of era is increasingly looking like it's over. Between the war in Ukraine with Russia's invasion and the really extreme response that we saw to Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan, where China was really for the first time doing exercises about how to enforce a blockade of Taiwan. It's really not lost on business leaders and political leaders that we really need to have access to some of these super high-end chips you know, within the United States, you know, within our own control, because as we've seen, like Germany built its entire economy around having a relatively steady flow of access to Russian natural gas. Now that's over, you know, and they can, then the economy is really struggling to figure out how to adjust to that. So we're trying to not to make those kind of strategic missteps. And that's a big part of what's going on. And it was interesting when we saw President Biden traveling to Arizona earlier in the week, they said, hey, why are you traveling to a border state without actually visiting the border? And he said something, you know, we got other big things to do there. And so this was what that trip was. Tell us a little bit about what they're going to be doing there in Arizona. They're going to be creating a lot of jobs. And then obviously what we're talking about, you know, uh, hopefully uh, creating a lot of these uh, high value chips that we need. 
The actual plant that he was visiting is being opened by Taiwan Semiconductor. They're arguably the biggest producer of chips in the world. They have about 50% of the share of what's called foundry uh, business. That's essentially contract chip making for other companies. And they produce some of the world's most sophisticated chips. And previously, we relied on their operations in Taiwan. And as we said before, that's looking like that island of 23 million people next to this 1.4 billion population behemoth is looking increasingly imperiled. So the government passed this act in August. Biden signed it into law. It's called the Chips and Science Act. And that includes about $50 billion in subsidies to try to coax these chip manufacturing plants to build new plants all around the U.S. And that's really been happening. A couple in Arizona, actually, Taiwan Semiconductor basically tripled the size of their original investment that they announced um, yesterday. So they're going to be spending about $40 billion there. Samsung, which is a big Korean chip maker, they're talking about maybe spending $200 billion building out there, basically chip making enterprise in near in and around Austin, Texas area. So I mean, it's, it's really a huge amount of business that yeah. it could, you know, go into the U.S. economy. It's great news. It's jobs that will stay here. But uh, and you made the mention at the end of the article, too, it's still going to take a long time to kind of ramp that up. So while it's great that we're doing it now, really, that shift in balance is going to happen for some time as you need to build out these things, really get things rolling. Yeah, for sure. And it, it requires a lot of highly trained people. So people have to be trained up. I mean, literally, we make zero of these kinds of chips in the United States right now. So they're going to have to bring in a lot of people from Taiwan to train Americans on how to make these things, how to operate the machinery, how to install the machinery. So it's a huge long term investment, but hopefully one that will result in steady jobs and uh, economic and national security. Totally. And, and, you know, maybe as we do start getting into the game more, maybe some more innovation might even be occurring. So it's an exciting time for the U.S. to really start finally getting into all of it. And uh, we'll continue to watch out. Matt Phillips, markets correspondent at Axios. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This week, we're also continuing to hear more about the hot weight loss drug Wegovy. It's in short supply and very high demand. The drug is proven to help people lose as much as 15% of their weight by suppressing appetite. But the company expected more of a gradual adoption of the drug and has lost out on a ton of potential cash. Selling only $700 million to date, analysts had projected $2 billion in sales for 2021 and 2022. For more on why you can't find Wegovy, we'll speak to Peter Loftus, 
farmer reporter at the Wall Street Journal. One of the early factors was that before Novo Nordisk came out with Rigovi, which was in the middle of 2021, they had one view of what kind of a market it was going to be. And that view was, was more conservative. They thought, you know, that eventually it could be a big selling drug and that there could be a lot of prescriptions written, but that that would take time. And this was sort of based on their experience with an older weight loss drug, uh, Saxenda, as well as other older weight loss drugs. Those older drugs had more modest weight loss effects and a lot of insurers didn't cover them. And so Novo Nordisk went into this thinking, okay, we we like what we have with Bigovi. We know it can help people lose up to 15% of their body weight. But just based on our experience with this market, we think it's going to take some time for it to grow. And so as a result, they set up a certain level of manufacturing capacity that was in line with that more conservative view of how quickly this market would grow. And then what happened was once it came on the market, the demand was, was huge. It was really above what they had expected. And I think, it, I think that was a combination of that it did have a better benefit for weight loss than most drugs before. And I think social media had become so much more established since the last time a weight loss drug came out that the word started to spread virally, really with no help from Novo Nordisk. They weren't actually necessarily promoting it. It just kind of spread on its own. And so that that really led to an increase in demand. And so let's talk a little bit about the money because that's always such an important part, right? So the market for anti-obesity drugs right now is worth $2.4 billion worldwide. They say it could be $50 $50 billion by 2030. So when they were talking about Wegovi, they've made around $700 million in sales to date. But what they were projecting just for Wegovi sales for 2021 and 2022 was $2 billion. So they, they kind of uh, blew it on that front, just a missed opportunity when it comes to making boatloads of cash. Analysts were predicting that, um, that figure, $2 billion, And yes, they've fallen short. And I should say that another factor here that came up later was that a contract manufacturer that Novo Nordisk was working with to help with one step of the production process had some issues where they were having basically quality problems at their plant and they had to scale back manufacturing. And so that was something that, that made it an even worse situation than might have been the case even with Novo's conservative outlook for how quickly this market would grow. So it was really kind mm-hmm. of One factor was planning for a more cautious outlook, a more conservative growth pattern, but then this totally unplanned manufacturing snafu that that also kind of compounded the matter. Yeah. And as you mentioned, you know, social media played a huge part in it. People were seeing it all over the place on TikTok and YouTube and they said, hey, I want to get in on this uh, weight loss drug. You mentioned that other um, that other drug, Sexenda, right? So in five weeks, It took doctors to write new prescriptions for Rigovi at the same weekly volume that it took the other drug, Saxenda, four years to reach. That's how quick this thing shot up. And so what is Novo Nordisk doing now? They're saying that they're going to kind of do a relaunch early next year. They will have enough supply to meet that demand, they say. They've taken steps to build an inventory of, um, you know, this drug comes in a range of doses and so they've, they've had to make sure that they've got an equal amount of all doses out there and they're lining up more manufacturing capacity, both internally and externally, so that at some point, I think they, they think by early 2023, 
they should be able to say, okay, really any new patient can get this. Because that, that's really been the net effect so far is that patients who had started on Wegovy by a certain point, uh, many of them were able to continue on sort of the maintenance dose. But for many people, if they hadn't started on it by a certain point, they just weren't going to start on it at all. So that's what right. Novo is expecting soon to be able to say, like, anyone can, can start to get this drug and we should have a sufficient supply. And, and what a happy, I mean, happy side effect, I guess you can call it, right, for unexpected for what was supposed to be a diabetes drug. That's why, uh, you know, people are looking to the Wegovy, they're looking to Ozempic. They were looking to another one as alternatives to Wegovy because they couldn't get it. But these are diabetes drugs, which is kind of one of the, the most interesting parts of it. Yeah, it's like um, they, it's kind of like drugs for, for two diseases in one drug. And um, these companies, Novo and, and their competitors, they, they did find in the past that studying these types of drugs for diabetes, they did see this effect of weight loss. But I think it's really just in the past few years where the magnet, by, by sort of refining these drugs and coming up with better versions of them, they've seen that the, the magnitude of the weight loss has become really striking to the point where it's not just the happy side effects for people with diabetes to lose weight, but it's a drug specifically to lose weight, including for people who don't even have diabetes. And so that's where there's been the real shift and I think why there's such a big market opportunity for these drugs. Well, if you're looking for Wegovy, maybe next year, Peter Loftus, pharma reporter at The Wall Street Journal, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Don't forget to join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this is the Daily Dive Weekend Edition. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.